words on water. This episode is brought to you by Bayshore Networks. Bayshore Networks was founded in 2012 and has developed security products specifically for OT environments for use by automation engineers and plant operators. Its comprehensive technology inspects industrial network activity in real time and actively protects assets whenever anomalies appear. The company created SCADAFuse, SCADAWall, and OT Access to address the digital security risks which can compromise the availability, integrity, and confidentiality of OT environments. Visit BayshoreNetworks.com for more information. Welcome to Words on Water, a podcast from the Water Environment Federation. This is the host, Travis Loop going to talk about security for water utilities. Uh, always a pressing topic, uh, but there was the recent incident in Florida where there was a hack at a utility, makes it even more of a timely issue for us to talk about security. I am joined by Kevin Davis. He is Chief Technology Officer for Middlesex County Utilities Authority in New Jersey. Kevin, appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, your time and glad to be here. Before we dive into the details and and, uh, so forth, could you talk a little bit about your utility, describe it, and what your responsibilities are as CTO? Yeah, so again, I'm with Middlesex County Utilities Authority. We are the second largest wastewater treatment facility in New Jersey. Put that on perspective as far as flow numbers, we do roughly an average flow of 100 MGD million gallons a day. And we've have seen max flows of 435 MGD. Mm. We have a lot of different um, activities that go on here and processes. We have a sludge drying facility, which does about 400 to 500 tons per day. We have a cogeneration facility, which does about 15 megawatts. It's how we try and power most of our plant um, with some renewable energy. We have a landfill that does about 500,000 tons of waste per year. And we take the methane from the landfill and we power our cogen facility and we have some remote uh, locations we got five pump stations um, pretty large ones and we have 75 meter chambers which where we monitor the flow coming into our our system so that's kind of in a nutshell of middlesex county utilities authority and uh, what we do Uh, my responsibilities um, is i'll include the ot and the it side of things, OT being operational technology. I, I started out on the operational side of things. Um, I have a PE license in control systems engineering. And over time, just really started to realize we had to adopt uh, IT principles and practices on the OT side to move forward and did that cautiously um, with considering cybersecurity. And then over time, just uh, was put into a position where I um, kind of merge both departments, OT and IT. I mean, they have their responsibilities, but I'm, I'm in charge of both IT and OT uh, at this point. And what that really means is that I need to make sure that everyone else can do their job, or as Bill Belichick implies, you need to do it well. Mm. So I want to give them resources um, to everyone else to be able to do their job. And whether that's on, again, the IT side, the business side, you know, the finances, 
um, or on the operational side for operators to have the resources they need to make decisions in the plant. So that all that falls under my umbrella. Gotcha. So I mentioned the the hack at the Florida utility um, as someone sitting in your chair and what you're responsible for and the team you have. Uh, what what was your reaction when you saw that happen? So the, my first reaction is always, well, how, right? You want to know, you know, I like to know the details of what took place so I can understand, you know, are we vulnerable to this? Um, and so my, my understanding is they were running an older version of Windows. They had some shared passwords and they had an older version of a remote viewing software. Um, I, I won't mention who, but, um, and they weren't using it anymore. Uh, it was outdated and it got hacked. And so the first thing I thought of was just asset management. Asset management isn't always just hardware, software, but it's people, it's access to, to your uh, computers and your software. And a lot of times I read about different hacks, you know, it's, it's doing the basics, which will typically prevent them. And so in this case, you know, when you're looking at asset management, they had, you know, maybe they don't have the resources or the money. Some people, you're, depending on your situation, are stuck on an older version of software or Windows, but they left an older version on there that wasn't used anymore. Um, and I think that that's what really bit them is they forgot about it. They didn't remove it. Um, they still had active users for it. And I believe that's, that's what kind of what the hackers use to get into their system. Um, you know, sometimes hackers like to do it just to play, um, you know, and thankfully the operator caught it um, and they were able to correct it. And they had other uh, processes in place to protect them and protect the public which is good, but I think it comes down to, uh, in this case, asset management um, and, and just making sure that you're not using outdated equipment or if you don't need it anymore, make sure it's removed, whether it's hardware or software or people's access. Sure. So turning, turning to your work a little bit more, what's your overall approach to, to cybersecurity, your, your philosophy, how you try to kind of approach this big picture? So we, we look at it from usually a risk point of view. Um, we follow the NIST cybersecurity framework. So it's a remediation cycle. So in general, what that will look like is an evaluation period. You then analyze the data to look at where you may have gaps. And these are on multiple levels where it's patching, you know, philosophy, uh, software. And then you prioritize and make a plan of how to correct those gaps and those actions. And then you implement and so when the NIST framework, they have specific categories, which are, you know, you identify, you protect, you detect, you respond and recover. Um, and, and, it, and it's a constant cycle. It, you know, it's something that you have to purposely determine to do. It's not just going to happen. It's not a one piece of technology is going to fix your, your needs. And there's multiple cycles. So we have weekly and monthly cycles for, for patching and for hardening of devices that we got to constantly review. And there are tools to make this easier. There's uh, tools such as Tenable to help you, you scan to know where you're at if you're missing anything. Uh, there's you know software to roll out your patches, whether you use Microsoft updates or you use something uh, that allows you to control when the updates are going out. There's different software and tools uh, for that. And and then there's yearly cycles where you want to go and review your policies and procedures, and you may do like a cybersecurity framework, 
um, which allows you to go on a larger level and make sure that there's not any holes in your philosophy and your system. So we, we do this based on risk. You look at risk, what's our risk in this area, and you analyze it. And there's many different um, packages or software to help you do that, but just technology alone isn't going to help you accomplish your cybersecurity goal. Mm. I'm interested in the difference in approach, or if there is one, for OT versus IT. How, how you approach cybersecurity for those, if it's the same, or what the differences are. So you, we, we approach both of them with the idea of risk, but it's risk to different processes and assets and um, environments. So on the IT side, your risk is more, it could be more your reputation. I mean, that's true on the OT, but your company functionality, your personal information, your financial information, that's more of the risk on the IT side. On the OT side, it's the process. As you saw, you mentioned the hack in Florida. You know, you saw that the, the process could go awry. I mean, their personal information may have been fine um, in their finances, but someone taking over your, your process and your equipment can be very dangerous and detrimental to the public, to the environment. So there's two different balances when you're looking at, at risk. And there's pros and cons and things that are easier on both. The OT environment, by nature, is a little more deterministic. You know what devices you have. You know what protocols you use. You know where data has to get from one point to another. Um, you know your data paths. You know, you can lock down networks easier. We're on the IT side. There's more variables. People need access to the World Wide Web, emails. Now we're spread out and we're working more from home. Typically on the OT side, you may have some, some of that, but operators need to be at the plant to run the facility. Um, and so, so there's different philosophy in how you need to go about, about doing it. And there's, there's things that are easier on one and harder on, on the other side. Um, on, the, on the flip side, maybe, you know, you, IT has more tools in place, right? Different vendors, they're more familiar with the IT environment, your Windows and PCs and workstations and servers on the OT side. And this is changing, but on the OT side, um, a lot of IT uh, companies don't understand the OT. What's a PLC? What do you mean by SCADA? And um, in the past, it was even more difficult. But um, coming out, there's a lot of technology that can help us. There's devices such as Bayshore, where it's a device that you can stick in front of a PLC to kind of give it a firewall and protect it versus um, a Windows workstation where you can install software on the workstation. You can't install software right on a PLC, or at least as of yet, to say, okay, protect this device. Or what do you do with an outdated device? You know, it's much easier to update a workstation on the IT side for someone in the office than to go and update a PLC out in the field. So your PLCs typically stay out in the field longer. They have a longer life expectancy um, than a, a PC would have. But there, there's new technologies coming out, which is encouraging. And you just have to evaluate your different life cycles um, uh, with each side of the uh, IT versus OT. And then patching is different. I mean, mm. patching is relatively easy on the IT side. You know, you have your test environment, then you roll out to a test group, and then you may roll it out globally and maybe have some other groups in there as well. The OT, typically OT software, um, is very sensitive to Windows updates. Mo I would say at least 50% of the time you roll out a Windows update, you're going to at least, you're going to break something, whether it requires a single reboot or to go in and find out, oh, my VBA code, Microsoft changed this behind the scenes in sessions, and now I got to do something a little differently. Um, so 
patching can be done. We, we have a patching plan for the OT side. Uh, I've discussed with some other colleagues, and I think it can be done to 90 to 95%. Um, and you may have to delay a little more to let your IT know, use your ID department kind of as a test environment. You know, did it roll out successfully? Okay, now maybe the following week or the week after, I know there's going to be problems, but at least I know it's not a bad patch from whatever vendor um, is rolling out the patch. And that's that's half the battle. Is the patch good? Oh, and then on your computers, can the OT side handle this? And just know, roll it out onto a device that isn't critical to your operation, a client that maybe I use, right? I mean, if I lose my client, it may be a nuisance for me to look at the facility, but it's not going to take the, the plant down. So you can create those test environments in your OT plant. Even if you can't make a full-blown test environment, pick a device that's low risk. And that's why I talk about your cybersecurity approach is really about your risk and exposure. Mm. You outlined earlier the, you know, the size and diversity of your operations. You guys are a large utility. You have a lot of different activities going on. What extra challenges does that pose to you on the security front? So I'll start on the positive side of that and then answer your question more directly. The size, I think we are a good size. Um, and I say that because there's a lot of facilities that are smaller than us that may have a hard time with funding. Mm. And not, we don't have limited, we have, we have limited resources, but we're a good enough size where I, I get support from my executive director and from the board and get funding um, to accomplish a lot of our cybersecurity goals. It's not unlimited, but we're in a better position than a smaller utility authority. So from a size point of view, I think we're a good size. From a diversity and everything that we do, uh, it's it's a little it's a little challenging in some regards because you have a lot going on. We constantly have to have you know meetings to organize, um, to communicate, and to plan when you have a co-generation facility. And even if you uh, adopt a new procedure, um, or we actually took on that facility and we pay someone to run it. But when you adopt the facility, now you're dealing with equipment that was purchased that may not have been purchased to your standards, right? So then from there, you have to then say, let's get on to all the same page, bring everything up to your standards. So a lot of it's about communicating and planning. The biggest challenge I think we have is just network segmentation and communication between departments that are small but remote. So if you have some pump stations are in the middle of the woods, so it may be challenging to get communications to there. And then when you do, how do you do it securely? And then on top of it, how do you how do you treat them? Are they you don't have the infrastructure to put a full blown data center in with everything you would have at your central treatment plant, but they're more than just someone working from home. So that's the balance of I think of a company our size is we have remote locations, but they don't always have the full blown infrastructure or ease of access to get your data out or to support, you know, the people there. And again, there's technology coming out, there's, you know, cell modems, there's 5G. Um, so now I think is a good time um, to be in this uh, environment because it's exciting. There's things that you couldn't do in the past that you can do now. Sure. You, you touched on how uh, the coronavirus pandemic has, has maybe impacted operations. And uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, you know, how it just has impacted your, your needs and approach for cybersecurity. And, you know, do you see, what elements of that do you see sticking around? Yeah, so like most, 
most companies, we sent people home to work from home where we could. Um, we were in a good place at that time. We were evaluating, um, as I mentioned before, through the cybersecurity framework, how we do things, um, you know, best practices, uh, what the needs of our employees were. And as we started to see the pandemic developing and thinking people might start to work from home, we prioritized new software we were looking at and applications, one of the things we ended up prioritizing was the ability to do things remotely and from home. So can I manage someone from home? And that changed our perspective. And we were in the, the middle of evaluating a lot of new technology. And that framed our thinking uh, and really helped us out because we were able to make some quick transitions. And one is someone's from home, they have a, a help desk request. Can they submit the request easily? Can you connect to their device at home easily? And there's lots of different, as we saw in Florida, remote desktop solutions, but are they secure? Part of that being two-factor. I don't know if Florida used two-factor or not, but having two-factor to uh, remotely work on their computer. Some other challenges we faced is people's home devices. They're on their home network. They have a home router. Maybe they're using a home printer they plugged in. And what happens if their personal equipment is the one causing the problem? Um, so then you got to be a little creative. And we end up using things like FaceTime and we end up troubleshooting people's home equipment or, you know, their home router. We've, we've had that where they had to reboot or they were blocking something um, and they couldn't get access because it was on their end. And on the OT side, we found this cool app. I think it was from PTC. It was similar to FaceTime, but I could draw on the screen. And when they moved their camera around, where I drew stayed on what the object was, not on the actual iPad or uh, screen that they were looking at. So if you're trying to troubleshoot and say, hey, you got to open up this breaker, you got to go over here, this is where this piece of equipment is at when you draw, it had geographical location to hold the uh, notation on the object and not on the screen itself, which was pretty cool. Um, so those, those are some technologies that we looked at um, and tested during the, the pandemic to help us out. And again, we, you know, we got, we're in a good situation. We were at the closing out of a project to go to a cloud file share. Um, so we, we were at the very end of it. I think there was just one, uh, one share that we had to migrate still. So everyone was able to go from home and use this on a cloud basis. It was already set up for security. Um, we already, we, I think at the pandemic, one of the things we ended up doing was we implemented weekly meetings. One, so people would still f get familiar with the cloud share, but we wanted really to support our employees. Wanted to make sure that besides knowing technically how to go in and get a file, what were some best practices? And that might change when you're working from home. So we gave them free access to just ask any questions. And one of the nice things that encouraged me that developed out of this was different department heads during the meetings just started sharing ideas and I could sit back and almost listen and give a little bit of a guidance, but they saw their peers doing it, which is better, I feel, than me saying, no, this is what you can do or should do. Because they're like, well, you're, you're an IT, of course, you, you're familiar with this stuff. But when they see their peers doing it, then it's more encouraging to say, yeah, I can do this myself. Well, that's a great idea. And it really helped people to work from home as we adopted this, this new technology. You all uh, participate in uh, this 
the center, I guess. Uh, it's it's the Multi-State Information Sharing and Analysis Center. I think it's part of the, the Center for Internet Security. Uh, what's that about and why do you do that? So if you, if you take anything from this, if you're listening, I would say if you can join it. It's MSISEC. I believe the, the, it's MSISEC.org, but you can Google it. Um, they're about making cybersecurity awareness. And I think by for us, it helped us in our journey. And I think it'll help everyone else who joins as well. It allows you to see the good you're doing and confirms that. And allows you to show you where you need improvements. And they have a lot of resources to help you especially when you're starting out. Um, things like they have this MDBR program, which is malicious domain blocking and reporting. So instead of using a DNS server that just returns the domain when you request, um, returns an IP when you request the domain, this actually does filtering and says, no, I'm not going to return this because I know that this domain is malicious. So it's another layer of security that helps you. So they offer that type of service. Um, they offer vulnerability notifications, and, and other people do, such as NJKIC, Department of Homeland Security, and your vendors. But you get a weekly report, and you get um, critical alerts whenever they happen sent to you, and you can verify at your facility if you're if these are risks to you, and if they are, to take action. Um, we get weekly malicious domain and IP reports. So on top of being put in the MDBR reporting. They get sent to us and we can add those to our firewall or different um, uh, controls to block people from getting to them. Um, if you have a problem, hopefully none of us ever do, but if you have a problem, they give incident response service um, and they encourage you to participate and um, in the cybersecurity frameworks that are out there, such as the NIST framework that we participate in. And what, what they're trying to do is develop a cybersecurity culture um, and improve your your cybersecurity posture and understanding. And as a CTO, you can take that culture and try and pass it down into your organization. And so I, I really believe in the MSI sec, I think they're doing a great job. I'm not saying you use every tool. We don't use every tool for them, but they have a lot of good tools and it depends on your size of organization and what you need. Um, they can help you out greatly. Well, it sounds extremely valuable to be part of that. Last question I have for you is, you know, these, these times are rapidly changing. Uh, technology just continues to accelerate and change so quick. Uh, cybersecurity is just, again, a, a rising issue. Where do you think things are headed for water utilities over the next several years when it, when it comes to cybersecurity? What do, you, what do you see as maybe the trends or, or issues? I, I guess I alluded to this before. I think there's an, a lot of new technology coming out for the OT environment that wasn't available before. IT companies are getting involved. Um, you have new OT companies um, popping up. And I think there's a lot of good things that are gonna happen as far as the cybersecurity um, posture is. I think it'll improve drastically. One is because I think it has to improve. You keep hearing things of, we mentioned again, the Florida hack, you hear these other ones with uh, Fricada, you know, the, the camera company and, and different, different companies who these things happen to, and there has to be a culture change to implement cybersecurity best practices. I, I don't think there's any other choice, and I, what will assist is the technology. The technology assists you. It's not going to do everything for you. You have to make the commitment and the plan, and I do think uh, that will be – I think it already started, um, and I, I think it will just keep growing 
um, and, you know, small steps, you know, think big, right. But start small. It's one of the conferences I go to every year. Think big, start small, Hmm. just do a little bit at a time, start with, with patching, start with the best you, what you can do to protect yourself. Um, and, and just have a plan. I also think it would be good for different agencies, especially utilities and smaller local government to start sharing resources. Um, this, this will help. I mean, sometimes if you're a small company and you know, you have a small utility authority may have 20, 30 people, it's hard for them to have the resources to build out the infrastructure. Maybe they can pair with other utility authorities or local government to assist. And, and, you know, it's just economies of scale. And I I think that is something else um, that can help out. Well, absolutely. Tremendous advice. Uh, Kevin, really appreciate all the perspective and knowledge, uh, critical stuff these days. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Words on water.